Amen, amen, and amen. Well, something good is going to happen to you. Amen. Give somebody a hug or a high five or something. You may be seated. God bless you all. God, thank you. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, hello, KT. It's good to be back at the best church in all of England and Europe. Amen, amen, and amen. I don't miss your weather. I just miss you. Hallelujah. Father, we love you with all of our hearts. Thank you for keeping the divine presence of your Shekinah in this house. That no matter where we come and go, we can always come back and know there's an abiding presence here that makes this place special. And we just take a moment and say thank you for being willing to let your presence dwell and habitate here in Notting Hill Gate. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, it is good to be back. Thank you so much. It's good to be back here in London, back at KT, and all you that are watching, good to see you as well. And uh, I've been in America in the sunshine and taking care of our family issues with my mother. The doctors have said that uh, the heart valve has not gotten worse or any better, so we've got it at a standstill, so we're at a good place. And uh, now they're debating whether she needs a surgery or not anymore, so we're moving down the line to a total miracle. And so our family and many that are praying with uh, the situation where I've been going and coming so much this year is we have a small family, as you know. There's only four of us. And when one of us has a major issue, we run to the rescue. And we decided to do that as a family that whether it's my sister, brother-in-law, myself, or my mother, when there's an issue, we come. And so we've been walking my mother to the point where we're believing for a no-operation miracle statement. And uh, we're, we're on our way. And uh, God still does miracles today in the year 2012. Amen? And He doesn't just do it in Africa. He does it in the first world too. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm glad I serve a good God that's alive and He likes me. And He likes you. God loves me and kisses me every day. Does He kiss you? Amen, amen. Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We want to make a few announcements to you while you're finding that passage. Uh, starting uh, Thursday night evening classes, I'm going to be teaching uh, in the evening school God Generals 2 and 3. So if you like God Generals 1, or you've heard me teach that class, if you want to come and join the night school, there's a, a table out back tonight for you to sign up and come and join us uh, this coming, uh, I think it's this Thursday, I believe it is, it starts. And uh, we'll be teaching, I'll be teaching uh, some of the reformers and the revivalists of Luther, Calvin, Knox, Fox, and Wesley, Whitfield, Finney, and all these wonderful characters. And hopefully that by the time I get done with you, something bigger will be inside of you. And your fear of man will get smaller and smaller to where it has no voice to your head or out of your mouth. Amen. God wants you bold, wild, and crazy, not common conservative. Thank you for the four amens on that point. Praise the Lord. So make sure you uh, go by and check that out tonight. And anybody can come and be a part of that. We'd love to have you. It's the evening classes. Uh, we've been having great attendance. I think Pastor Colin is teaching the counseling course on Wednesday, I believe it is, and I'm doing Thursday. And so we're very happy to have Pastor Colin teaching that class. Isn't he one of the best preachers in the world? I hope you realize that Pastor Colin Dye is one of the best preachers and teachers in the world. So don't take him for granted. Put present value on him. And so when you have a chance to hear him and be a part of what he's doing, and especially like a class like that, 
take the time, take the effort, take the energy to make the effort to come. It'll be worth your life and it'll cause something good to happen to you. Amen? A lot of people value something when it's over. Like, I wish I should. I should have done this. I wish I'd have done that. Go ahead and do it. So you don't have to worry, have those wish I should have's in your life. Amen? That's why folks, when they get ready to die, they want five more years. Give me five more years. When, I'm, when it's time for me to die, I'm going to be ready and take off. Yeah, you'll get that next week. So live every season to its maximum. Do everything you're supposed to do in the time that you're in. So when you finish this season, you enter the next. It's a great thing and you have to go back with any regret. And when it's time for you to go to heaven, there's no regret. It's called goodbye earth. It's been nice knowing you and you take off. Yeah, you don't get my, my spiritual father, let's just summarize. His last sermon he preached around the world to all of us sons of the faith was that sermon title, goodbye earth. It's been nice knowing you. And he died about eight months later after he preached that sermon in our church. And uh, he died full of faith, did his call, and was ready to go. That's how you're supposed to go too. Amen? Now, the bookstore wanted me to mention a couple of books. See, how many like to read Christian books? And how many know that KT has the best Christian bookstore in probably all of London? And it's still open. Because some of the other bookstores have closed. Well, you can go down there and get some books on Wigglesworth. And he was British. Can you believe... A Wigglesworth came out of England. I think if he came alive again today, he would go, is this the right country? Because he was so different than everybody when he was alive, especially today. But um, I was at Foursquare headquarters in Los Angeles, and Wigglesworth uh, became famous after his wife died. You know, when he and his wife uh, were together in ministry, they mainly stayed in the UK and a few little travels here and there, but not much. But when uh, Polly Wigglesworth died, he decided instead of staying home and being sad and lonely, he got up and went to the world. He came to America, I think, about eight times, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Scandinavia, Sweden. And uh, so he went to the world and began to preach and to minister. That's why the world knows him. At the same time Wigglesworth went to the world, George Jeffries, the man that built and pastored this church, stayed in England. And that's why the world may not know of the great ministry of Mr. Jeffries, because he stayed focused on the UK, where Wigglesworth went around the world. But I was out in Foursquare headquarters, and I found his name in a file. That's what I do for fun. Some people, when they have time off, they play golf or they go shopping. I hunt old people that knew famous preachers, and I hunt for old files that they forgot and see what's in them. And Wigglesworth went to Amy McPherson's Bible school and would teach in the Bible school, and answer questions and answers of her students. And I found all of them that he went there three times and did that, and I asked if I could have them. And they said yes, and I took them. Uh, when they say yes, don't ask twice, take them. You don't want a second thought to occur. They might have a second thought. You don't want that second thought. And I printed uh, his questions and answers to Bible school students, questions you might have. How the gift of faith works, how he raised the dead, how to walk in the spirit, all these kind of things that he had. And it's in this nice big book called The Power of Scripture. So if you like that book, you like Wigglesworth, you'll enjoy that. Go by the bookstore and get it. And the other book that they wanted me to mention to you, how many knows when I was a little boy, I went to heaven? Ever heard that story? I've got to tell that story sometime here. I'm not, I don't think I've told my testimony of going to heaven. Most people only get a one-way ticket. They go there and stay. I got a round trip. I got to go there and come back. And um, I never wanted to talk about it very much or write about it. When I was 17 years old, the Lord said to me, write what I showed you when you were 8 years old because it'll be the evangelistic tool of your ministry. It'll win more souls than you will if you'll write it. So I wrote this little book and, um, called I Saw Heaven. 
and what I saw, and it wins souls every, every week. We get letters and emails in our office of people getting saved or coming back to Jesus, and it's actually what Jesus told me. It wins more souls than I do in person. It goes around the world and gets people ready to go to heaven or with somebody whose family has gone to heaven. You know, sometimes you're praying for people that are in a hospital, a friend or a family member, and they, they, they tell you today they, they want to live and not die. And about two days later, they die. Ever had that happen? And it kind of bugs you. You're like, well, didn't we pray much? And didn't we fast? And we pled the blood. We used the name. We called on Gabriel. We called on Michael. We called everybody we need to call on. And they still left. Well, here's a possibility, and this is probably more true than we'd like to admit. Somewhere in those two days, they probably got a glimpse of the other side. And when somebody gets a glimpse of the other side, it's not very hard to imagine they quit wanting to be on this side and they take off and then we're left bearing them and wondering what happened well I'll tell you what happened they saw the pearly gate or they saw their mansion or they saw something on the other side that just made them want to go on and they quit believing to stay and quit believing for the miracle and they started believing to depart and they left if I ever get a chance to go again I'm going and not coming back. If you raise me, I'll come back and punch you, and then I'll die again. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame the people. They get a little glimpse of the other side. You know, the best thing about heaven, in my opinion, is an atmosphere that does not resist you. That's hard for some of you to imagine. But to be in an atmosphere where there's no negative and there's nothing pushing against you in your mind, your emotions, or your spirit, but a total acceptance of you, and a love of you, and a lift of you coming from God and everybody that you meet. That alone to me is wonderful, to live in a world where there is no rejection, where there is no resistance to you. There is love and acceptance, and there is nothing creating a negative thought, nothing creating a negative feeling or a, a depressing feeling, only a positive. That's heaven, folks. That's heaven. And it's going to be a good day when you get there. So make sure that you're born again and you have Christ in your life so that when it's time to go, you go to the right place. And you can live happily ever after in the true ever after. Amen? Heaven's a good place. Heaven, you know, heaven, another thing about heaven, everything's bright and pretty. Unlike England. It was bright yesterday. The sun came out. It was beautiful. Woke up the day, I thought, where's the sun today? You know, you have beautiful days, and then you have the cloudy days. Heaven's always bright and beautiful. Always warm and inviting. Always. 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 You never have to wake up and say, I wonder what kind of day it is. I'll tell you what kind of day it is. It's warm, inviting, and lifting to you every day in heaven. And that's the way it's going to be forever and 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 forever amen it never comes to an end i know it's hard for earth people to get because we know beginnings and middles and ends but in the spirit world it's only a continuation a continuation of the blessing of the lord in first timothy chapter four and verse six paul is writing to his young son in the faith and I'm going to treat you tonight like you're all ministers of the gospel like you are. And he told Timothy, if you, if you would put the brethren and the, the members of the body of the Christ in remembrance, 
It's amazing to me, first, first Timothy 4 and verse 6. Put them in remembrance. It's amazing how many times in the writings of Paul and even St. Peter where they tell us, remind the people. Remind you of this. And I think one of the greatest needs in the pastoral office is what I call reminder sermons, reminder food. Because you forget things, not because you're a bad person. You forget things because you get distracted because of the, the wear and tear of life and the distraction of things. Not because you're, you meant to or because you're a bad person, but just because life gets stressful and life gets demanding and you forget things. And that's why you'll find a verse like this written often. If you put the brothers in remembrance... So one of the great jobs of every minister is to remind you of things that you've forgotten or that you've kind of let up on a little bit that you need to hold tighter to or to grip firmer again in your life. He says, I remind you that you tell the brothers of these things. If you do tell them of these things, then you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. I want that title. I want to be called a good minister of Jesus Christ. Not a good minister of a denomination or a certain group or sectarian belief, but a good minister of Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. He is my Lord and He is yours too. I want to be a minister of Him more than anybody else. The only brand I'm concerned about is Jesus Christ's brand. Thank you for the amen on the right up here on the left. He says, if you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up with the words of faith, and of good doctrine. Words of faith come from Scripture and come from the character of God. Words of faith are positive. Words of faith are lifting. Words of faith are explosive against the negatives and the darkness that may be around or in your life. And he says good doctrine. It's amazing as I travel the world what people believe. Sometimes you're having a cup of tea with somebody and you think, and you believe that? And you're trying to be nice, but sometimes professional stupidity can't be treated nice. Sometimes you must just be politely blunt and say, where's that in the Bible? And they go, uh, 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 to us, mean they're trying to find something. Because you should know it. Good doctrine means you know what you're believing is based on the life and the ministry and the word and the resurrection of Jesus. What he said, what he told us to believe and how to believe in between those borders. He said, he wants you to be nourished up with the words of faith, good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained them. So Timothy, you've got them in you. But refuse. You know, the Bible says you receive some things and some things you say no to. The Christian life is knowing when to say yes and when to say no. When to say I accept and when to say I reject. He said, but refuse or reject profane and old wives' fables or stupid talk based on theory and emotion and conjecture. But exercise yourself on the godliness. You know, the Bible says you have to exercise. Everybody say exercise. You know, to be carnal takes no effort. To be spiritual takes an effort. To walk in the Spirit takes a decision and effort. It takes responsibility and effort. To be carnal doesn't take an effort. You are born a carnal, fleshed out human. Do you know that? 
You say, why? Well, you can think Adam and Eve when you meet them in heaven. When Adam and Eve did what they did in the garden, and the fall of man came into every human being, then every one of us has had that Adamic nature, that fleshy nature, is dominant. And when you become born again, then Christ become, gives you power to overcome things, but you still got to keep your flesh under and your spirit in charge. To be spiritual, let me say it again, takes responsibility and it takes effort to walk in that path. It takes no effort to be fleshy or to give in to your carnal man. Just do what it wants, when it wants, how it wants, and you'll be fine. That's called flesh. But to walk according to the word, according to the power of the spirit, giving it dominion over all the flesh and your mind, it takes a responsibility. Verse 7, or verse 8. Bodily exercise profiteth little. So that sink just for a moment. So what does that mean? Your gym does benefit you some. Everybody needs that some. Amen. Thank you for the four amens out there. Are you all still alive? Is this KT or KTX? Say amen. amen. Bodily exercise, profit the little, but everybody needs that little. So your body can stay healthy and strong and not be sickly and always tired all the time. So you're tired because you are not keep your body fit. Walking down the street, you're out of breath. But yet you will not run with the high call. I'm sorry, your body and your high call kind of go together. Amen? Good evening, everybody. But godliness is profitable unto all things. Stay with me, we're going to stay in this passage tonight. Godliness is profitable unto all things. Having the promise of life that, having the promise that, that now is, and that which is to come. The only knowledge that you have that's going to benefit you here and in your afterlife is godly knowledge. If you study to become a doctor, which is a good study in this earth, or to be a lawyer, or whatever it might be that you pursue as a career in this earth life, brings you a nice income, gives you a nice respect in the community, that's great. But the only place medicine's going to help you is on earth. The only place that the knowledge of law is going to help you is while you're on earth. When you get to heaven, medicine's not going to be much help for you there. There are no sick people there, so there's no need for your career choice on earth. When you get to heaven, there's going to be no argument. So there'll be no need for a lawyer to represent you before a judge. That's amazing just to think about that thought about heaven. No arguing. Everybody's going to like everybody and no fussing. Woo! Praise the Lord. You want to go, there, you want to go to heaven just to see that. The American courts, they sue you for anything. If you scratch your nose too fast, they'll sue you for that. They're law or sue happy, as we'd say sometimes in the States. But the only knowledge that blesses you here in this life and in the life on the other side is spiritual knowledge or godly knowledge. That's what Paul said to Timothy. Having the promise of life that now is. Godliness helps you with your life now and that which is to come. Spiritual knowledge affects your natural life and your afterlife. What you learn spiritually and you operate in will cause your natural life to get better. To be, be, more, to be more victorious. To be happier. To be more secure and solid and sound. 
your spiritual knowledge when you get to heaven. Whatever age you are in your spiritual life, that's what you'll be when you get to heaven. They'll still be learning on the other side. Now, some people when they get to heaven will have to go to kindergarten or preschool. They got born again and checked out of school. Good evening. Some people got born again and went to a stupid church. See, Brother Roberts, <laughs> how can you say that? I already said it. It's very easy. <laughs> Not every church in Great Britain or America or France or wherever teaches you anything. They're supposed to. That's their mandate from Scripture and from heaven. Is that every church is supposed to teach you how to walk in the resurrection that Christ gave you through believing in Him. Walking in the Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit, and walking by faith and living the overcoming life in the midst of an offensive world. But you can get born again and go to a church that doesn't teach you very much, but, but hopefully you'll get to heaven. I've been in some of those churches as a guest speaker and I never went back for two reasons. They didn't invite me and I wouldn't go. Because my personality don't fit when you're professionally ignorant. See, what does that mean? That means you like being the way you are. You don't want to hear anything that makes you feel responsible or challenged to grow or to do or to be more than what you are right now. I'm sorry, but the Bible wants every one of us and declares that we should grow up into him in all things. We should grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up. Grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up is a personal responsibility and it's also a part of the church leadership to give that kind of food, that kind of message, and that kind of demand for you to grow. If you go to a church that never challenges you, then I'd leave that dead dumb thing. I'd leave it real fast. Like an Olympic runner, whoom, I'd leave. So Brother Roberts, why are you like this? Because I like it. When I preach like this, you get it. When I preach like this, even the folks who don't want to get it have to hear it. Because it's so simple and blunt that you have to go, ah, 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 ah. I'm not British, have you tell, can you tell? I'm a rude American. I'm an American that... For some reason, God plopped me down in the middle of London for a while with you. And I like you. And I love it. Thank you. We'll give you five pounds for that after the service. <laughs> but for some reason, I've asked God many times, why? Why do you let me talk like this? Why does it come up my spirit like this? Why? Why? But when you read all my letters and my emails... And over the next week, they'll go, when you say things what you do, it haunts me for three days and I get it. Or it bugs me. Or it just makes sense. Well, I guess that's the way God put, it, put me together. Not every church in Great Britain does Jesus go to. Not every church that calls him Lord, is he their Lord? Not every church that has a steeple and a nice little slogan out front with a blinking light. Would I attend? Even if their music was happy clapping. Because music alone does not make you grow up. 
Music alone helps prepare the heart and the mind with the receptivity of the articulation of the bold declaration of God's uncompromised word into the heart of the willing. Some things people choose to call church, I wonder how you define it. I remember I pastored for 20 years in California. Passion in California is like passion on another planet. It's a part of America, but it's not. It's totally opposite from the rest of my country. The East Coast is conservative. The West Coast is liberal. That means they'll believe anything. If you will stand still long enough and go, hmm, they'll hmm with you. <laughs> Somebody will follow you to some mountaintop and hum on a mountain and look for a star to fall that night. And call it a new religion. I grew up in the conservative part of America and passed for 20 years in the liberal part of America. And they, 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 they like church in the liberal part of America that has no demand or responsibility to it. Make me feel good. Make me feel good. Don't tell me. I have to pray in tongues out loud. Don't tell me to resist the devil. Don't tell me to put money in the bucket and believe for a prosperity act from God in my life. Don't tell me to find sick people and command their bodies to be healed. Leave me alone and let me feel good. Just let me know I'm going to heaven and that's it. You know what I say to that? You should go ahead and die and go on to heaven. If that's the way you want to live, pray for an early departure. Because that's about what you're worth is about that much breath and life. And saying, take me now, Lord Jesus. And I'd say, Lord, please take them. But Jesus would like to go to every church in England. But they don't like what he does when he goes to church. Jesus does not follow the order in every service that man puts together. He sometimes likes to do what he did in Matthew Mark, Luke, John, and Acts without your permission. When Jesus has to get permission from you, that means it's your church and not his church. Well, somebody woke up. He likes to save people. Heal them, fill them with the Holy Ghost, and them speak in tongues, cast out devils, prophecy, tongues and interpretation, all types of beautiful things from heaven into men and men and women's lives. So godliness and learning how to walk in the Spirit is important to your life now and your life on the other side, Paul told Timothy. It is important. So in all you're getting... Get spiritual understanding. In all your learning, learn principles of life in the Spirit. How to live, function by faith. How to resist and overcome. How to rejoice in the midst of a storm and get victory. How to do what is right no matter what's around you. That's a part of living the Christian life. He said, this is a faithful saying, verse 9. And worthy of all acceptance. For wherefore we both labor and suffer reproach. Uh-oh. 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 
Therefore, we both work and suffer. Uh-oh. Two words people get nervous about. I got to work. Um, yeah. Right there. We labor. We work. We labor. And we suffer reproach. If you're going to be persecuted, make sure you do it for the gospel's sake. Not for some weird doctrine or some off-the-wall thing. If you're going to do it, do it first class. If you're going to be persecuted, then do it in a way that the Bible will defend you and the glory of God will come upon you. Can you say amen? amen? You know, when you come to Kensington Temple, this is not your normal church. Have you figured that out yet? Yeah, one lady in the balcony has. If you're a new person to KT, I've said this before, but I'll say it again because it seems to fit right now. You, 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 you probably like the music and you like all that's going on and you join the church in the first few months. is Woo! It's wonderful. Then about the third month, oh my God, what did I get involved with? Because now all of a sudden, you're working and you're laboring. And you're going through things you thought, why am I going through this? Ooh. You're starting to cry and you're starting to think about that dead, dumb church you came from. When I was a member of that church, I didn't go through this. I didn't go through these kind of warfares and these kind of things. Because you were dead. <laughs> dead people don't have war. Dead people don't have a devil fighting them. Dead churches don't have opponents. Dead churches don't need money. You're a part of something that's alive. When it's alive, things happen. Warfare tells me you're alive. Warfare tells you that you're a threat. If you're not in a war or some type of battle sometimes, I'm wondering how you're living. Brother Roberts, I just want to love Jesus. Go on to heaven. Go on to heaven. But if you're on this earth, you're going to love Jesus and you're going to labor and you're going to suffer reproach because you serve a living God, it says here. Our God is alive. Our God is strong. Our God responds. And He's ready to work through you and me to do great things for London and the world for Christ. He says, because we suffer reproach and we work because we trust in a living God. Verse 10. Who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. He's the Savior. Um, Buddha is not your Savior. Muhammad is not your Savior. The only one that saves man eternally is Christ Jesus. Jesus, and by his name alone, can a man or a woman be saved. And by no other name can a man or woman find eternal life. The great mixture that I see in my country, and it's here in, in this part of the world, is the mixing of, of different religions, the plurality of deity. A little bit of Buddha, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of Muhammad, a little bit of this. And we put it all together and we create all the paths to God. There is one path and one name by which man can be saved, and that is Christ Jesus and Him alone. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 11. Are you enjoying this yet? Yes. It's only 820. 
And these things, now, uh-oh, get ready. Put your safety belt on now. Now you are when you're on an airplane. These things command and teach. Uh-oh, they don't work in secret-friendly churches. They don't command nothing. Obviously, the Bible wasn't seeker-friendly because there's a commanding here. Command. That means teach without apology. Teach without a tone of, well, I, I, I hope you do this. Command. It's like a training sergeant. Move it. Do it and shut up. See, Brother Roberts. <laughs> I don't think you like Paul. You know, it's amazing. When a guy's dead, how much you like him. When he's alive, well. Like, we all love Wigglesworth because he's been dead since 1940. If he was alive today punching people, we'd all be scared to get in the prayer line. We love the stories because it happened 40 years ago or 50 years ago. Can you imagine being in a service? And Weather Wigglesworth goes, didn't you get prayed for last night? Weren't you in the prayer line last night? The little guy goes, yes. Get out. <laughs> to pray a second time is unbelief. Get off the prayer line. He moved them off the prayer line. Now, we love that story because it wasn't you. <laughs> we like these stories because it happened back then in the romantic era of Pentecost. But what if some guy like Pastor Bruce or Pastor Colin grabs you? Did I pray for you last night? Why are you back in the prayer line tonight? Don't you have any faith? Go sit down. Wake up and believe and get out of my prayer line. I mean, it's true, he did that. Maybe I should try it tonight on some of you. <laughs> These things <clears throat> command and teach. Another way to, to explain that verse, you make the, the absolute victorious statement in Christ. For example, Jesus took stripes that you might be healed. So healing belongs to everybody. And God's will for everybody is to be 100% physically whole. Bam! That's where it's supposed to be. Now, some people, when they hear you teach on healing, that Jesus likes to heal everybody. Religion says some. And always remember this. When the guy or the lady or the group says some, that's them saying in a polite way, you're not getting healed. Always remember, some means you. You're the part that don't get it. I want to go to the church where I'm included in the getting part. Not the baby part. Maybe. No, 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 no. I don't live in maybes. I live in commands and absolutes from heaven. He wants Robert Slarin to be healed from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. That's the command. He wants you to be prosperous and not broke. He wants you to be happy in London every day, whether the tube is working or not. 
whether you missed your bus or not. Saw a lady get all upset at the train. It just shut. Oh, and she was right there. I tried to hit the button, but it wasn't working. And she said some very bad words. I don't know if it was to me or the train or to whom. I thought, Lord, bless that poor soul. The command of God, the order of God, what He paid for you to have. He paid for you to have 100% victory 100% of the time. But the teach part is how to get there. When you teach healing, He came to heal everybody of every disease, of every problem. The teaching part is how do we get from where we are to that place of operating in our life? How do we get to prosperity when we're all under certain types of stresses economically? We teach, we believe, and we walk, and there's grace there to help us to get from here to there. And we keep until we cross that line. You see, but brother, I just want to, you know, just accept life the way it is. Well, if that's the way you want to live it, go right ahead. I'd rather live it according to chapter and verse than according to what comes flowing down the street. Whatever it comes, comes. No, I want it comes from heaven to come from my life. These things command and teach. Don't suggest and hope that you get them. Command and teach them. Let no man despise your youth. Verse 12. Let me change it to this. Let no man despise your age. Your spiritual age or your natural age. Now sometimes in church we have a problem with this age problem. Spiritual aging is faster than your biological aging and your mental aging. You can be in a church for 20 years and only be six months old spiritually because that's all that you have applied yourself to grow. You can be in a church for two years and be 20 years old by how you apply yourself to grow spiritually. Spiritual growth, spiritual aging is up to you. How fervently you'll apply yourself to learn and partake and to adjust your insides to the scriptures will cause you to mature. It has nothing to do with your body and not much to do with your mind. A little bit, but not much. Your spiritual age, you can grow as fast as you want to grow it. You understand? If you'll do what it takes to grow. If you'll do what it takes to mature yourself. Coming to church is just one way you grow it, and it's not the only way. What you do Monday through Saturday determines more your growth than what you do here on Sunday. Sunday's good, don't get me wrong. But I don't live with you. When you wake up in the morning, you're drinking your cup of tea or your Starbucks. I'm not yelling at you. Have you prayed in tongues yet today? Have you bound the devil today? Have you confessed the word today? Have you worshiped God today? No, I'm just drinking my coffee. Well, that's how you determine how you grow. We admire, since we're kind of talking about Wigglesworth tonight, we admire Smith Wigglesworth's life. An uneducated plumber. An uneducated plumber. A stutterer in the beginning of his life, for God healed him. His wife taught him to read and write. He's an uneducated plumber. And when he finally began to read, he only read one book, the Bible. 
And he had a bet with all the young preachers of his day. If they could catch him without his New Testament, he'd give him a pound note. Because he said he never went more than 15 minutes without reading the Bible or praying. He said, Brother Roberts, are you serious? Well, I have no reason to doubt him. The fruit of it is in his life. He made a decision. Wigglesworth did. You've got to make your own. But here's his decision. He made a decision that he'd always carry a New Testament with him. I've seen it. The New Testament he'd carry in his pocket. And he'd read it or pray every 15 minutes. And he wouldn't allow himself to read anything else but the Bible because he thought that was the best thing that a person could read. That's what he decided. He also got up every day and worshiped God first thing in the morning. Every day before he actually got dressed. He got up, worshiped God, sometimes jumped and danced, worshiped God first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning before he said, good morning to you, anybody else? He said, hello to heaven. And activated his spiritual life first and gave it dominance, gave it dominion over himself and over the day. They asked him one time, how are you doing today, Mr. Wigglesworth? He goes, I don't ask Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell him how to feel. All these statements that we admire about him. I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I'm on the outside. You go, wow, that's a great statement. Yeah, but great statement or great reality. We admire him. I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I'm on the outside. How about you? Are you a hundred times bigger on the inside or a thousand or ten or one? Or are you dinky on the inside? What are you? Roberts, I love Jesus. It's not a love Jesus question. Don't start doing brownie points. But I love Jesus. But I love Jesus too. But that wasn't the question. How are you developing your insides? What kind of responsibility are you taking to make your insides strong, healthy, and dominant in your life? He said, these things command and teach. Let no man despise your age. Nobody should despise what you are and where you are in God. You should be growing and going. Verse 12. But be an example of the believers. Here's a checklist for you. Everybody got your Bibles out? He said, how are you in the Word? How is the Word level in your life? Are you living on yesterday's manna or you got fresh manna today? And it's not Pastor Collins or Bruce's or myself to always give you a fresh word. Get it yourself. Get it yourself. So why should I come to church to rejoice over what you've been getting? To celebrate what God's been doing among us corporately. Not just for food to survive. You should be getting it yourself on Monday through Saturday in your own home. If the only time you read the Bible is when you're in trouble, you're a weak Christian. If the only time you read the Bible is when someone reads it to you, then you're a weak Christian. The only time you read the Bible 
is when you need a blessing, then there's a problem with your Christianity. It's a problem. There's two kinds of verses in the Bible. Command me verses and bless me verses. Write that down. Two kinds of them. And you need both to grow up. Command me verses and bless me verses. Most Christians like the bless me verses. And I do too. Don't get me wrong. I like those. But I read those other ones too. You know, it's real nice to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And to know that he lives in you. But do you ever exercise that blessing? Exercise praying in tongues out loud. Loud enough for your own ears to hear your voice. You do that as a family. Mom, dad, brother and sister, and Rover the dog. All gets in the front room and worships God and prays in tongues out loud. Brother Roberts, we weren't raised like you. You should have been. We weren't raised like you. When I grew up, I thought everybody was raised like I was raised. I'll tell this story until the day I die. Hopefully it'll, it'll work for you. When I was a little boy, I got saved when I was a little bitty boy. I kind of remember it like this. I was born, born again. I was one of those that was born in a Christian family. And I always seemed to be around God, the Bible, church, and wild women. Wild women of faith, that is. And I can remember making a public profession of my faith as a little boy. And when that happened, my parents did not say, oh, that was nice and put a star someplace in my bedroom. They said, now that you made your public profession of your faith, you've got to grow. Well, I didn't know what that meant, but I was about to find out. So that meant I had to start reading the Bible and reporting. They started making me grow. They made me read the Bible and then give a report each night. What did you read? I don't know. We'll go read it again. I'm 46 years old. To How old am I now? And I still do the same thing I did when I was 7, 8, 9, and 10. If I read the Bible and I shut the Bible, it might be 2 o'clock at night. And if I cannot think of one thing that I read and repeat it back to my head, I have to get back up. I cannot go to sleep. I'll open my Bible back up and I'll read it all over again. It may be 4 o'clock before I go to sleep. They drilled me so good till it still worked at 46 years of age. And it put something in me that I had to make myself like that. See, becoming a responsible believer means doing things like that. You're not just reading to get over it. Did you get something out of it? Did it, did it what did it say to you? Can you quote it back to your head? Can you say it out loud with conviction? Is there something that you read in those chapters that did something to your insides, that made a deposit to you? If not, you didn't get anything. How you read the Bible determines the temperament of your spirit. How you read it, how you dig into it, determines the strength of the temperament of your spirit. The way some of you read the Bible, they're, they are part of the Disney family. Mickey Mouse, Donald, and Goofy. They act like little cartoon characters and playing around. 
They're not a, a militant soldier of consistency and boldness and directness and straightforward movement in the kingdom of God. You have to have something in you to stand up against the storms that are contrary to you. I mean, I like bless me verses. I like all those. I'm blessed coming and I'm blessed to going. I like that verse in Deuteronomy. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. Mm -mm. I like it, don't you? I like those verses. But what about the ones where it says, stand up and resist the devil yourself? What about the one that says, in the midnight hour, worship God yourself? I want you to pray for me. No, pray for yourself. When's the last time you prayed for yourself? When's the last time in your house you laid hands on your own head? When's the last time in your house you commanded that thing in your house that's causing confusion to get out? <laughs> Brother Roberts, I love Jesus. No. Don't start that. Every church... Every pastor of every church should work themselves out of a job. My job is to teach you and train you to where you don't need me. Where you don't need me at all. Where you can survive in any circumstance and get victory for yourself in any environment in the world. No matter if you're there by yourself or three others, you can get it. You can get it. But you know how to build up yourself and do those command me verses. It says in word, what kind of word are you confessing? I am strong and not weak in Jesus' name. <laughs> and you can't just whisper it. You can't be a little... And they'll go, huh? You got a voice? Use it. Instead of every born-again person, there is the voice of authority. Instead of every one of you on the main floor in the balcony and watching me, everyone that is born again, there is a resident authority of God inside of you. Find it and speak from it. And use your voice of authority with chapter and verse to move mountains. To create the impossible and make it happen. To live above and not beneath. I am strong and not weak in Jesus' name. I am bold and not scared in Jesus' name. I am prosperous and not broke in Jesus' name. There's a big old bodybuilder named John Jacobs. He used to be a big evangelist. Good friend of mine. He was holding a crusade in my town, and, and uh, we were supporting it. And we were having lunch one day. And he was saying that certain spirits were bugging him. Well, if you live a Christian life, demons will bug you. It's called normal. All right, so don't freak out if some devil comes by and starts trying to bug you or tempt you or haunt you in some way. Just know how to beat him up. 
And the devil doesn't always listen to little whimpering Christians. He acts deaf sometimes. Ever notice how the devil acts deaf? And he said, Roberts, I need you to pray for me. I said, well, what about? He said, I noticed in the prayer line the other night, you were helping people get free from evil spirits that were bugging me. And I've got a couple that's been bugging me, and I can't quite get free. I said, well, I'll pray for you after lunch. I said, but while we're eating lunch, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said, you know how to fight the devil for yourself? He goes, that's why I want you to pray for me. So I put down my fork and knife and I said, no. He goes, well, why not? I said, you can learn how to do it yourself. Learn how to resist the devil, James 4, 8, yourself. He goes, Robert, I want you to pray for me and fix it. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. Do it yourself. He goes, well... That's why I wanted lunch with you today. That's why I wanted to talk to you by myself. It's because you're scared and you're embarrassed. He goes, well, yeah. And said, that's what I thought. Embarrassment talks like that. Shame talks like that. I said, when we get done, we'll go to your hotel room and I'll teach you how to fight the devil yourself. He goes, really? He said, it takes about 10 minutes. I'll do it for two minutes and you watch me. And then I'll help you do it for about three or four minutes yourself. And then I'll watch you for the last five minutes make sure you do it right. Ten minutes. He goes, um, okay. So we finished our lunch. I said, what room are you in? So we went to his nice big suite. I said, now here's how you fight the devil. Number one, know who you are in Christ and know that you have power over him. And then enforce it with the words of your mouth, with the authority in your spirit. And I said, it sounds like this. I command you to go from me in Jesus' name. You foul, tormenting spirit, leave me and get off my back and get off my head. Go in Jesus' name. I resist you. Go from me. Go, go, go in Jesus' name. He goes, do I have to do it like that? I said, if you want to be free, you do. He goes, well, I don't pray like that. And I said, and that's why you have a devil. See, some of you are the same way. You don't rise up yourself. You've been taught in this church so much scripture that some of you have almost gone mad learning. But the Bible says in James 1, 22, just don't be a hearer only, but be a doer. A doer of what you hear. You have to do it yourself. Yourself by yourself. So I stood there, walked his hotel floor for a few minutes, and then showed him what to do. I command you in the name of Jesus. Go from me in Jesus' name. I'm God's property. I belong to Jesus' spirit, soul, and body. He have no right to control me or to take charge of me. No, 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 no in Jesus' name. Go from me. I said, now you get up and do it. Took him a long time to get out of the chair. I said, are you crippled? Get up. 
he goes, well, I'm, I'm, no, 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 just do exactly what you saw me do. Big old bodybuilder, huge man, could probably throw me through a wall. Nice guy, nice guy. Got up, his arms as big as my leg. Sounded like a little wimpy person. Go for me, go for me, go for me, and you just think, go, go. I remember thinking, oh my God. I thought, all right, more work required. I said, when's the last time you prayed in tongues? He goes, well, um, I don't remember. When's the last time you quoted some Bible verses over your life to give the atmosphere agreement with heaven? He couldn't remember that much either. Nice guy. Good gift. Good, good, good gift. Avengers a gift. So I walked up in front of him. I said, let me hear you pray in tongues. He goes, I don't want to. Like some of you might. I don't want to. I don't want to. Normally what you don't want to is what you need to. Normally. Normally what you don't want to do is what you need to do. And I had to stand there for a little bit and encourage him with a strong tone in my voice before he started praying in tongues. I grabbed him and began to walk the floor with him and made him pray in tongues out loud. I said, I can't hear you. Pick it up. Come on, move. And then he got scared. He didn't know what to do. If some of you treat yourself like that and make yourself do the gospel like that in your devotion time some of the things that you face will not be as loud as they are right now in your life some of the, the struggles will not last as long as they do you still get victory but sometimes it takes a while to get victory You have to rise up yourself. Rise up yourself. And put yourself in activation mode. And activate the spiritual laws of victory for your life. With no shame. No fear. Whether anybody else gets it or not, you have to get it. Whether anybody else gets it or not, you have to get it. I'm strong and not weak. I'm strong and not weak. I am strong and not weak in Jesus' name. I am strong and not weak in Jesus' name. Weakness has no voice in me. Weakness has no residence in me. Strength has dominion. Strength has rulership in me. I am strong and not weak in Jesus' name. I command sadness and depression, go! 
defeat and despair, go! Use your voice of authority. Use the voice of command that's in you. Use the name of Jesus to keep yourself victory and free. He said, be an example in the word. Know who you are by chapter and verse. Who are you? I know who I am. I'm chosen. I'm blessed. I'm a child of God. I'm the son of the most high. I'm in the family and you can't kick me out. Ah. Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who you are? The devil rises up and says, You can't be that. You can't do that. Do you believe him? Or do you believe the scriptures? Who are you? Know who you are. I'm blessed in the morning with authority. Even if my body don't feel it, I have it. I am it. And I can use it. I'm part of God's family. And you can't kick me out. And they can't kick you out. Hallelujah. Going to be there. Good morning, everybody. You all still here? Mm-hmm. My grandmother. <clears throat> you just sit in a chair. I can still see her. And look at me when I pray. She said that was worthless praying if I ever heard it. That kind of praying for you is worthless. You're just going through the motions. I said, but grandma, I pray. She goes, I didn't say, can you pray? Pray the way you know to pray. See, some of you always find people in your mind that you're better than. You know the word better than this person. You know how to pray in tongues or worship God better than this person. But that's not right. What you're capable of, you should be challenged by not by a comparison to another person. You can always find somebody you out-preach. Your church is better than their church. Their music is better than, your music is better than their music. You pray better than they pray. You can always find somebody that you're better than. Always. And your flesh will lean that way to say, you're okay, you're better than this person. Or you pray longer than this person. Or stronger than this person. That's not growth. That's falseness. You should tell my mother, we're the best kids in the neighborhood. Why do you treat us like this? We're the best kids in all the neighborhood. She says, well, if I compared you to everybody else, you probably would be. But I don't compare you that way. I compare you against what you're capable of. What I know that you're able to do and what you should do. That's what I keep pushing you toward. So glad I did that. And that's what a local church should do to you. KT, just don't be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of it. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, Tuesday afternoon after lunch, be a doer of the word. I keep heaviness off of me because I keep a song in my spirit. If you walk around me, every so often you'll hear me just sing little things. Because I don't like being oppressed. I've been oppressed. It's not fun. Oppression is pounding on you. Pounding on you. 
pounds your head. It pounds your identity. It pounds you. It makes you feel like you're going to quit and give up. And what's the use? And why? When there's the spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. For it breaks. It breaks. It breaks. It breaks that heaviness off of you. Break forth in the joy. Break forth in the joy. Break forth in the joy. And the heavier the heaviness, the greater the break. <laughs> no, you live in London. You better wake up. You live in an atmosphere that hates everything that you stand for. Everything that this church has taught you and that you've learned, this atmosphere is pounding it to stay quiet and to stay small and to stay so little it makes no effect upon your confidence and on your presence. To weaken the Christian voice of this nation. When there is heaviness, break forth into joy, O oh my soul. No, I've been there more times than I can count. My flesh didn't want to obey. Because my flesh is like your flesh. But I wised up and thought, either I do it or I get pounded all day long. Either I do it or I stay grumpy and nobody likes me. Nobody likes a mean dog that bites and growls. And like a happy dog. It wags its tail and jumps with joy. Sometimes I'll just sit in my bed and start laughing. Ha 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 ha. Just as fake as it can be. Just as fake and as bleh as it can be. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> and my head's going, you're crazy. <laughs> head's going, you're just making it up. Yeah. That's called my breaking through. Because sometimes it's so heavy, that's all I can get up. But at least it's starting. Ha ha. Ho ho. <laughs> ha 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 ha. It didn't say breaking forth. Isaiah did, didn't say break forth into joy. was always easy or sounded normal when it started. But it'll get you there. It'll get you there if you'll do it. Ha, 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 ho, 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 ho. Not going to live depressed today. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory, 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 glory. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I refuse to live depressed. I refuse to live down. Greater is he that's in me than he that's out here. Ho, 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 ho. I don't get on the phone and call. Pray for me. Pray for yourself. Lay hands on your own head. You got to break forth into it. The Bible also says jump for joy. Jump for it. That's why Wigglesworth got up in the morning and jumped around his bread. 
He lived in England. He had a jump for joy. Your atmosphere. I'm not picking on you. I lived here now for three years. I'm one of you. I drink tea. Do you understand your atmosphere? The atmosphere is contrary to what's in you. Tonight I just wanted to teach you and remind you that the greater one lives inside of you. The resources of your victory is inside of you. Do what you know to do. Every day. On purpose. With no shame. Shout for joy. Jump for joy. Sing for joy. Break forth into joy. Break that heaviness off of you. You don't have to live like that. No matter what's in the world around you. What's in you, you can live out if you know how to draw it out. By your words and by your actions and by your deeds. You draw on that well of salvation out of you. And victory comes to you. Amen? Stand up on your feet. Can our keyboardists come, please? I'm not done. I'm just going to quit. Do you enjoy that tonight? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Where's our singers at? Where's GB and the group? The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. The Lord, He is good. And His mercy endures forever. For the Lord, He is good. And His mercy endures forever. For the Lord, He is good. And His mercy, His mercy endures forever. For the Lord, He is good. And His mercy endures forever. Alright. Here's our altar service tonight. If you've been fighting depression and all this stuff at you and you feel overwhelmed, can I see your hand? Now try to embarrass you. I've been under it. I need some help. But turn it real high. Real high. Run down here. Come on down here. <clears throat> Just come down here and sit in the front. Let's get a group down here in the front. God bless you. Thanks for coming. God bless you. Just come from the balcony the main floor real fast. Let's fill up the front here. <clears throat> How you doing? Good. Good to see you. You happy yet? Gonna be happy tomorrow too. Amen. God bless you. How are you? God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. Thanks for coming. Anybody else? All right. Now you all got some room around here in the front. I want you. We're gonna let GB in the group here. Lead this whole church in high praise. And I want you down here with your voice and your body to worship God until that thing breaks off of you. Can you do that? Whatever it is about you. You got to get your arms up. Get yourself going in some way. Can you do that? Well, that's not my personality. It is right now. Amen. This is how you do it yourself. And this whole church is going to do it with you. Amen. You got your good song, Jeevee? Obey the Lord. <clears throat>